Good evening, listeners. Welcome to episode three of season one of the Porchman Dialogues. You're here with me, Andrew Hover. And me, Jeff Moven. Good evening. You don't know that it's evening where we are, but it is evening where we are. So in the spiritual sense, good evening to you all. <laughs> we're, uh, we're ready to talk about some more things with you this evening. Evening. Good evening. Oh, so it was a bit of a strange way to wrap up the old 2019-2020 season, huh? Well, you didn't foresee the end of the season happening in July? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it was weird. Uh, one, it wasn't United's last game. It was second, second or third to last in... Marshall scored a goal, and it became the first United player to score in every month out of the year, because generally they don't Correct. play. You don't yeah, play yeah. yeah. So it was just sure. such a weird, weird record thing yeah. for someone to have. But uh, and when are you ever going to have a chance to do it again? You know. So yeah, cause well, hopefully not. <laughs> internationally is one thing. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Club. club. Yeah. The, the schedule usually doesn't. Line yeah, up. it's been a weird year, and uh, I will have to say though, like the way it's going to turn around now for us fans, it's perfect. You know, six We're, weeks, yeah. basically, and we still have Europa and Champions League to watch until yeah. September twelfth when the EPL starts again on yeah. my birthday. By the way, hey, great right. present. So, absolutely, um, yeah, I'm happy for the quick turnaround. I think the players are going to be fine because they had the, you know, they had two three month break anyways. So you could even see, you know, Project Restart is somewhat of an extended. Preseason, pre preseason in a way. Yes. Yeah. I think they obviously tried to get up to pre lockdown physical levels, mm-hmm. but I think it's fair to say that some of them were playing with a bit of reservation just because they were trying to think of the marathon mentality of knowing that the season will end, then preseason picks right up, and then again, you know, you have another season coming up relatively soon right after that. So. Uh- Hot, not to interrupt, but hot take for you. Um, I know they, why they did it, you know, with the comeback. I have my own opinion on them extending it, but I would love to hear what your opinion is on the extension of water breaks and possibly the five subs for a match. Yeah, that could be seen as some people would say it's overdue if you want to look at it that way in terms of how you see most every other sport having more segmented time for the players at some point or another to be off the field to play and gather themselves. You know, that's also part of why we love this game is that it's fluid, it's extended, it's expansive, it moves and it flows. And I can see where purists and people who enjoy the momentum of a match I can see where they don't want it included. At the Mm -hmm. very least, the water breaks. Mm -hmm. Because then it turns into a quarters-based game. I like two halves. I like that segmentation. It's solid. It it gives the match bigger themes sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to find that these water breaks are going to be used as tactical breaks as well. We're yeah. already seeing oh, yeah, We're see seeing it. tactical reformations, you know, depending on the match and club, obviously. But the five subs, you know, you have seven guys on your bench to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not every manager is going to use it. 
at the same time, it at least allows that number of seven to make more sense. If you can have technically five of those seven used yep. instead of three of seven. So that I think is a little bit ironically less relevant. I think it's actually makes more sense just in terms of having a full 18 man match day squad and then the seven on the bench, it in a way gives those players more of an inclusion in the match. Mm-hmm. They don't feel as potentially left out. I hear you. I'll definitely say I think I fall on the, the, the more of the purist side that you kind of mentioned. I like you. I like the two halves, man. There's something special about that. Um, there's something special about 45 straight minutes of football. Absolutely. Um, that I've always liked. Uh, the five subs thing, I didn't really think I would like it. And it ended up especially because I... I mean, I don't watch every EPL game. Obviously, I watch every United game, most Spurs matches, stuff like that. But Ole used five subs almost every single match, and I think it ended up saving us in the long run because, you know, we had legs somewhat at the end of the season to be able to go to the finish and finish in third. So um, I don't don't know. I don't know how I feel about it carrying over, but the points that you just made even made it more acceptable in my head. And, like, to think about it that way, too, of, like, you have seven guys on the bench. Like, and it's over half of them are automatically and mathematically, if you use all three, mm-hmm. then over half of them were just left unused. And I get the strategy of a manager having to choose an 11 to put out there. Mm-hmm. Of all is available, you know, squad in the club, I get that. You know, that in itself is a strategic tactical thing. Are you going to choose the right 11? And then, again, it's that solid nature of the game where some people would say, well, three subs then makes it more of that thinking game where you can't be as throwaway with the changes that you make in terms of the ownership of the guys that you put out there for 90 minutes to begin with. But... I feel as though it's a good splitting of the difference moving forward into a modern version of the game. And yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, it'll, well, and it'll be interesting because obviously it doesn't have to be permanent. And I don't even know if they've made the decision. I just, I thought I read somewhere. I'm pretty sure I, that it's been... They said been, that they were going to extend it yes, for, for 2020, season, 2021 so. season. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I just, you know, it's, it's certainly never going to ruin the game for me or anything like that. And uh, if anything, you get to see more of your squad's players. Exactly, and you you get to get more chances to guys that maybe weren't gonna have that opportunity, you know. So I think it allows for more fine tuning of substitutions depending on the situation at play in a match. Are you blowing out a lower side? All right, throw in your youth because yeah. you have the subs available. You save the legs of your guys who delivered you where the match is at the moment. And then you build confidence in your youth that they aren't wasting their time at your club. They're going to get minutes. They're going to be able to compete. They're going to be able to show their quality and potentially make those more difficult decisions and light a fire under the older guys and make sure that they're not comfortable and that they themselves are always pushing themselves. And so I feel as though there's more benefits to this. There's more positivity to it than there is any sort of uh, interpretation of it being a lessening of the game. I gotcha. 
Yeah, it just had uh, popped in my head um, while we were kind of talking. So I guess we'll talk maybe end of the season stuff now and then get on to some transfer stuff. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll ask you first, man. You guys ended up in sixth. Obviously, Andrews Clovis Spurs. I think most listeners know that by now. But uh, are you happy, sad, indifferent? You know me. I'm a pretty pragmatic-minded person. And given the fact that there was this very obvious downfall from last June Mm -hmm. and the Champions League final. That in itself was some sort of a kismet fate situation where somehow on that thin squad, without any investments really over the previous two seasons, we patched together these results along with some good old-fashioned self-belief in there. I think that given the emotional downturn within the first minute of that match, which that was never a penalty, by the way. I <laughs> say that till my dying day. Uh, I feel just... It was a bad call. I'll agree. It was. It was. Thank and not you. just because I hate Liverpool. So. Correct. That, uh, that wasn't a legitimate play of the ball. Anywho... <laughs> From that, and then just the compounding of a thin squad, the dejection of losing a final like that, that creates that very real effect on squad morale and energy, whatever you want to call it, and overdue transfer targets can only do so much to right a ship that has gone off course in subtle ways, ways that aren't immediately obvious when you're distracted by the results of a Champions League run. Mm -hmm. So Pochettino, God bless that man. I'll love him. I will welcome him back. I would love to see him back at the club again, managing us. Every Spurs fan should be like that, to be honest. And And that's my opinion. The vast majority. He showed us how you can change the mentality of a club. However, that magic was gone. There there wasn't that energy on the sideline anymore. There was no cohesion of style or tactics. And so it was a really surreal week there. When he left, Mourinho came in at 14th place, mind you. Yeah. And very much in relegation form. The fact that he took us from 14th to 6th in combination with very relevant injuries to Harry Kane and Son Heung-min. Mm-hmm. You can throw in other things. Nombele not getting off the ground. Lacelzo being injured for you know the first three months of the season. Take us from 14th to 6th. And then along the way, you know there were some other times where we should have gotten more points. The fact that we got European football when it would have been so easy for us to finish outside of any reach of European football, along with a global pandemic. I'm going to take that. That's a victory in my eyes in terms of riding the ship, getting us to a stable point where now we can have a legitimate springboard for the summer, fine-tune the squad, get guys in, get guys out, and then have just a more stable basis of starting out a full uninterrupted season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hope. I'll just add too, as uh, 
just an outsider that watches them and follows them because uh, obviously I have a good friend like you and Darren and some other people that are Spurs fans. I will say, I think for me, and I'm sure you feel the same way, one of, one of the most promising things for you when you look at that performance against Leicester, which was the second to last game of the season? Yes. Or, okay, so I wasn't sure if it was second or third. Yep, I'm mean, just absolute Mourinho masterclass, and you crushed a really, really good club and team, three to nothing, and you helped us out along the way, which I loved. To me, when I watched that game, when I saw what was happening, and I've watched many, many Mourinho masterclasses, and that was one. It was and I don't watch every single Spurs match like you, but for me, it was the best that I had seen you guys play all season under Mourinho. And to be able to do that at the end of the season and then, like you said, kind of squeak your way into six, you have European football, you're good. You guys will be just like us right now, competing for Europa to the end. He won it when he was at our club too. You guys will be easily semi-finalists, finalists, whoever. And uh, it's just going to be interesting, man. As you know, um, I'm... I'm a Mourinho fan. I like watching him. Uh, I love his attitude. I love his his style of arrogance and everything in between. And uh, it's going to be very, very interesting, man, to see who you guys go out and get, who you get rid of. I did want to ask you about, I know Jan left uh, Vertonghen for the people out there who don't know who I'm talking about. In your eyes, does he sit as a club legend for you as a Spurs fan? Yes. Yeah, I, I eight years of consistent, solid starting service through multiple managers, multiple styles, and then through his own individual quality combined with the right manager, and then that's when he really took off. He had always been an incredible ball playing defender mm-hmm. from his Ajax days, for sure. And then to bring him in. You know, he was one of the brighter centre-back talents of Europe at the time. To see him become such a consistent, steady operator, and then to see his talent complemented when Alderweireld came in. Mm -hmm. And they were arguably the best centre-back pairing, at least in England, for, you could say, one and a half, two seasons. From 15, 16 to 16, 17. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with you on that. And it was just a very dynamic and very fluid, overlapping duo. And he was also just an upstanding person as well. He had great sense of humor, just, and you can go into the human element as well. Mm-hmm. He stepped up in big matches. He represented us. He didn't back down from sticking up for the club. And then it's easy to point to his performance against Dortmund, his two goals in the 18-19 Champions League mm-hmm. campaign, playing at left wing back. Yeah. And one of those was off the volley from a deep cross. And I remember that goal. it is tough to see him go, but you can tell it was amicable because of how calm he was. He never came out in the press. He never sulked. He gave the minutes that he could this season. It was just a very unfortunately steep drop-off. And it wasn't just due to the pandemic. It was possibly just from that summer. And maybe he was starting to reprioritize how much he wanted to be a top, top defender 
Yeah, and for how long? Well, sometimes you just know it's time. Correct. And, and I think it's I think it's his time. And obviously, he's not retiring. He'll just play at a smaller club than Spurs. I, he will fit in very well, either an Italian club mm-hmm. or even a French club. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. And uh, I know he was at Ajax before he came to you. I don't know. Was Ajax his childhood club? Do you know? Or believe so. Either that or something like obscure, like Bereskot or something. Yeah, and that's what I could see him like going back to like a club like that. Um, You know, just to kind of finish out the service. So he Um, definitely has plenty of minutes to give a club that is less reliant upon a high line of defending. Yeah, and is a little bit more of a low to medium block where they don't need to have as much space behind them in order to execute the style of offense that that particular club will be executing. So Nice. He just doesn't have that step anymore, yep. but as with any experienced defender, he still has the mind and the eye. It's just a matter of having him in the right system that doesn't call for as many influential and relevant individual decisions that need to be made in a split moment. And usually you don't want your defenders making yeah, that anyway. For so. sure. Um, I mean, obviously, it's the EPL. It's a fast-paced league. It's a physical league. And uh, he's always been a very intelligent footballer. And I think that's what's going to carry him through these last couple of years. And again, if he takes not necessarily a quote-unquote step down, but if you, know, you go down to a, a lower tier of football than is played in the EPL, which is, in my opinion, almost every league in the world. Um, I think he'll fit in just fine. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see where he goes and, uh, you know, how he how he holds up. And I guess here in a little bit, we'll talk about your ideas on replacements for him and who, you know, your club's looking at, what, what your rumors are, what you want, that sort of stuff too. I think we'll talk a little uh, United here first and just kind of touch on the finish of the season. Lead us off, please. You all had kind of a a tale of two halves of your season, you could say. There was B, B, and then PB, before Bruno, and then (laughs) post-Bruno. Well, and what's funny is we started out really well. People don't remember this, but the first week of the season, we beat Chelsea 4 to nothing, And I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, here it is. But then by December, we're all yelling Ole out and like, what's going on? And bring in Pochettino and who else can we get? And like all of this sort of stuff. And uh, it certainly certainly was the tale of two or almost three seasons, you know, because we had that beginning success and then we just fell off the table. And then, as you mentioned, <laughs> post-Bruno, it certainly changed the game for us, man. And uh, I'm happy with the way we finished. You should I was, be. I will say I was talking to Darren a little bit. Uh, last week, we didn't have the strongest of finishes, that's for sure. We had the 18-19 game on beaten stretch, and then after that, there was three or four performances that were really, really bad tactically against Chelsea in the FA Cup. He got it completely wrong, which was crazy because we had beaten Chelsea three times prior without doing three in the back and trying to play Chelsea's game, and he decided to do something different. I will say we kind of limped into third place, but... I'm not complaining. Um, I've seen people from other squads say, hey, 69 points, that's the lowest ever for a third-place team or champions. At that point, it's irrelevant. I don't care. It's the second-highest finish we've had since Ferguson retired. Marino got us the second. Uh, This is third. There's obvious progress happening since before the restart, after the restart. I think we have 
our front line figured out, even though from what I'm hearing, we're going to add to that. But I don't know. I just, I feel like as a club, we have somewhat of that United identity back of that constant attacking football, constantly just going straight at the opponent. Waves. And it's cool. Like we'll give up a goal or two goals, but you're going to score four and you're going to be fine. Honestly, it was kind of funny. We were talking about uh, this a little bit before we recorded. The defense this year, I think, was the biggest improvement that we had. And I know that sounds crazy with Greenwood and Marshall and Rashford and Bruno scoring all these goals. But the additions of Wambasaka on the right, which to me, the guy needs to work on his offensive game. But there is not a better tackler of the ball to me in the entire world than Juan Bissaka. And he impresses me so much. Again, needs work on the offensive end, but he, he was so solid all season, and it was impressive. Obviously, bringing in McGuire as well, who, for me personally, the jury's still out, but some of the stuff Andrew and I talked about before this, the stats of the most clean sheets of clubs in the top five leagues of Europe, you can't complain about that. David De Gea getting to 113 clean sheets, so he now has the most ever by a United keeper. These things, like, you can't ignore the stats. And so, although the optics at times weren't bad when Maguire's getting crossed up and run around and all of that sort of stuff, the stats say different. I think the defense is a huge reason why we finished in third. And I want to say, I believe it was 21 less goals we conceded this EPL season than we did last year. We were in, I think it was 34, 35 this year, and we were at like 56 last year. That's impressive. That's honestly, that's one of the easiest ways that you can have a direct effect on your table position from mm-hmm. season to season. Don't give up goals. Yeah. You win You win matches or you tie matches by not giving up goals. You get points by not giving up goals. Mm-hmm. You could, Your offense could be terrible, and you can still walk away with the points. So... I'm happy that we're getting that sorted out. I think we still need some help back there, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Overall, man, I'm not complaining. To sneak in there the last day and, and take it away from Chelsea, which, Andrew, I know you, you hate Chelsea, but it was impressive what Lampard did, transfer ban, the whole thing. Their business that they're doing right now is phenomenal. It's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where they go moving forward, but again, um, to just kind of wrap up the United end of the season thing, I couldn't be happier. I don't think... There's a United fan out there that doesn't think Ole is the right guy right now. Andrew, your older brother Matt and I go back and forth. We've however many times, probably 25 times throughout the season of, is this guy good enough? I don't want him. We need Pochettino. Get someone else in here. I think we finally reached a point where the general consensus is this is probably the right guy for the job right now. And that's it. In a sport where... The vast majority of managers really last, what, two to three seasons? Especially now, yeah. It's almost silly anymore to not think in terms of the right now with your manager when everyone likes to think that they have the best long-term view for their club and how it can operate most efficiently. And really... It needs to be just a season-based viewpoint. Everyone wants to think of their manager lasting a decade Mm -hmm. with them. You know, it's easy to point to Ferguson as the blueprint of a legendary manager that not only stays a long time, but delivers the results that you would want. Yeah. And Wenger had the duration, but didn't have the return as much as Ferguson did. And we had Pochettino, who came out saying he wanted to be a dynastic manager as well he made it five six seasons Mm -hmm. 
And it's so hard to keep that momentum, that energy from season to season to season. It's easier when you keep fresh blood so that not only the players are keeping the manager honest, but as I mentioned earlier, all the players are keeping each other honest as well. And I think that was a bit of a downfall of the Pochettino era was the lack of turnaround that you need to be a true top club in terms of talent that you need to keep challenging within you, the club. You, and not to cut you off, but you, you cannot be an elite club in the world and not buy players for two summers. Correct. You just cannot be. That's you not the way. You can't coast on fumes. As much as like we would love to think that like that can happen, it just doesn't. There's no point. There's no point in doing it. And I, and I understand where you guys were at with the new stadium and all of that and you know Levy being a little shrewd or this or that. But And I'm a huge Pochettino fan myself, but you guys had to get rid of them. There was no doubt about that. What, you talked about it when Mourinho took over. You were in 12th, 13th. 14th. 14th. But it's like... I just felt it was so unfair to a great manager like Pochettino, especially considering the momentum that he had built within your club to not buy players for two seasons. But, you know, it, that's done and dusted now. It's in the past. Mourinho's there, and it, it is what it is, you know? Uh, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. It's easy for us to, to look back and say that. I think about a club like United going to summer and not buying anyone. And the only time we've even been close to it in modern-day history was when Moyes got... Yeah, dumb, dumbass David Moyes took over and got... Fellini. Overpaid for Fellini in the 11th hour because he couldn't wrap up a deal for anyone else or the board or whoever you want to blame. I feel like Spurs have got to that level. Like, when you're clubs like Spurs and United, like, you're generating so much revenue on a yearly basis that it's a disservice to your fans to not invest in your club and make it better. And... You and I both know, because we almost strictly follow the EPL, like it is a keeping up with the Joneses thing. And if you're not doing it, like you're falling. Obviously, like you've seen it with us. You've seen it with you guys. Like you're seeing clubs that used to be non-existent that are competitive now because they invest. And that is what it is. Again, just overall for me, man, I'm happy with the finish. I was happy to see you guys sneak it into sixth, stay in Europe. You're going to have that money. You need it. Every club needs it. And to me, I feel like Spurs have have reached that point where you're a top six club in England. And that's where you belong every single year, whether it's first or sixth. You need to be somewhere in there. And I feel like, you know, United's been that same way for a long time. I'm happy we got a quick turnaround and uh, we got Europa and Champions League coming up here pretty soon. So Yeah, there won't really be a drop-off in terms of, you know, just keeping the appetite sated, to, yeah. the, to say the least. It is strange just to have it back in a way, mm-hmm. even though it's not as much of a connection to the matches as we used to have because we don't see people like us watching in the stands. Yep. And I think that was a lot of the emotional connection that I had, at least, was knowing whenever I was watching a match here in the States... I was seeing them play in full stadiums and, you know, just people like me going to the stadium and cheering and, you know, being vulnerable and hoping that they would win. But now it's just more a matter of down to the bare bones of I'm supporting this club and I'm supporting these guys. I, I believe in what this club is. And even though the fans aren't there, the belief is still there. 
And I'm not, I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but no. Um, well, and I think part of it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and the listeners don't know this, but you got to sneak in a trip right at the end of freedom time for all of us, and you were able to get over to England and experience that. And uh, I'm sure that obviously you were a big Spurs fan before that. I'm sure you going over there and having that experience, and then especially watching it just absolutely be eliminated what a mere two weeks later three weeks later because it was the end of february correct when you were over there i don't know it's got to heighten it and obviously you know that's a dream of mine to get over there and watch but it was weird to me at first but then you again you just have a you gain this general acceptance that like i love this club regardless of whether there's fans in the standards or not and all of those fans that you would see in those stands are sitting at home at that exact same time around the world watching that same club and uh to me it it almost Times like these, like it, it almost makes you more loyal to your club because they're going through a tough time. Everyone's going through a tough, like weird time. You know, hats off to the players because I, I can't imagine what it's like to come out there to a, a silent stadium and then be expected to perform at the highest levels. And uh, I think it's probably understated how much adrenaline and juice they get from, you know, whether it's Old Trafford stacked with, you know, 70,000 fans or any other stadium, you know, even if it's one of the smaller ones, a Bournemouth coming out to 17, 18,000 people, like it, it still has to get you so hyped up. You know, again, it was weird for a little bit, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to accept it. And that's what it's going to be, at least for now. Yeah, that was an amazing trip. I mean, looking back, it's hard for me to not think of it as somewhat of like a fate thing in terms of having begun the planning last summer. June, July, and along with other friends that I was planning on going with, this long, slow burn of building and planning and organizing, getting my passport renewed, getting plane tickets, choosing the match, organizing tickets, and going into the new year kind of with that overall shadows and clouds on the horizon starting to build, hearing rumors in the east, whatever you want to call it. And then we flew out end of February, 26th, I believe. Got into Heathrow, nice and smooth. 30 people on our flight on the way over. It was a bit surreal. Plenty of wine. My girlfriend and I really uh, enjoyed the experience. It was That's a, the best part about flying overseas. And it was like an adventure flight in yeah. a way. Uh, very kind stewardesses. Thank you wherever you are. <laughs> and... Made it to London, made it to the Airbnb, opened our padlock, and the key broke off in the front door at 1.30 in the morning in the middle of London. Kept our cool. We found another option that our host had let us know about to get keys. Uh, whatever you do, don't panic when you're traveling. If there's any, if there's any Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fans yeah, out there. there. Yeah, there don't panic. Uh, we made it in, um, and then I think it was either like that next day that the news of the outbreak in Lombardy in northern Italy occurred. Mm -hmm. She and I went to Paris that following Friday, walked nine, ten miles through the city. Great city, by the way. Amazing. And it was a day trip. Came back on the same day. It was whirlwind. It was awesome. It's fun to get caught up in a, a day in the world as just one individual in a huge city that is always living and breathing. Yeah. And, and I have no idea that you're there. And yeah. I like that. Oh, I like that yeah. about travel. Yep. 
and so to float through in a thread and so we got back and then two days after that they announced that Paris was shut down the Louvre the courtyard we had just walked through closed the Eiffel Tower the grounds that we had walked through and taken pictures closed it was surreal to think about the window of time that was so fragile that otherwise wouldn't have even been a question in any other year of the world's history. The courtyard of the Louvre is always open. The Eiffel Tower grounds are always open until that point in time when they weren't. Mm -hmm. And so we then went to the match on Sunday, March 1st, against Wolves. It was a beautiful, bright, sunshiny day. Went with dear friends, local friends from Tottenham as well. And so many people remarking on how beautiful the weather was and how it hadn't been that way for a match day in months. And we lost 3-2, but, I mean, it was an amazing experience to see the stadium in real life and see, again, that living, breathing element of 60,000-plus people cheering. And it is a remarkable stadium. Just the lead-up, walking up the high road, seeing it, coming up the concourse, and... It definitely cemented me into the bedrock of this club because as much as it was easy for me to understand why I loved the club to begin with, their history, their mentality, their approach to the game, it was powerful, going back to what I said earlier, to just be among other completely natural, dyed-in-the-wool Spurs fans from... (laughs) The Neils of the world. Oh, God. Neil, if you're listening, uh, hello, sir. It's, I miss you. Uh, hope to uh, have a drink or two with you in the near future, and uh, we'll get Darren in there as well. So shout out to Darren, too, uh, who was on that trip. But, uh, yeah, it you have to, at some point in your life, see your club play in their stadium, their home, where the source of the identity is and yeah it was an amazing trip i plan on going whenever the signs point to things being safe enough to do it so end of story it was it was that amazing and i need to go back yeah 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 and you will you know you will i will so yeah that was uh kind of end of the season in a nutshell um we're getting into a new season, you know, eyes forward, no looking in the rearview mirror now, you know, we, we're done yeah. with it. Well, and it, it's crazy to think, too, like United still has football to play. They're going to be playing here in another week, week and a half, semifinals of Europa. So I uh, would want nothing more. I think the season is a success, but it would be great to get a trophy out of it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, Europa is not the European trophy you want, but <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. I'll take it right now, so... I took it, you know, two years ago, three years ago when Mourinho won it, and uh, I'll do the same thing. And I just, to me, it's just another signal that things are going in the right direction if we can get to that point. It's going to be interesting, too, because there's some really good clubs still in there, namely like Inter uh, would be uh, an awesome final to have. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I think that's, uh, that's kind of the wrap-up of the season. So transfer targets next. Yeah. 